Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new uh, guests, Kalina. How are you doing today? Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So Kalina comes to us from the background in, well, started in business and then obviously went into coaching and she has a, a, a book, a podcast, a, a charitable clothing line, a whole bunch of other things. But uh, if, if you can share a little bit about what are you up to these days? Yeah, loaded question. Uh, <laughs> uh, so definitely working on my startup chiefly where we've just successfully filed uh, a patent for a machine learning technology to help make wow. online meetings like this. Uh, a little bit more effective using machine learning. So we're we're investigating emotions and how they come through in meetings using audio, word choice, facial expressions. Um, so that's that's front and center as well as working with clients to improve their careers with my Canadian company, Kickstart Your Work. So that's more corporate coaching. So I'd say mm -hmm. those two things take the most of my time and then weekly podcast episodes of my own, recording those and, and my book, memorable which came out uh this past december so those are kind of the four main main things that are on my plate sounds good and obviously you didn't always well maybe you always started off that successful <laughs> but i'd love to <laughs> rewind and go back to uh what was uh kalina like as a kid like what were you like growing up early fond childhood memories uh what were you like growing up yeah i was definitely somebody that liked to be organized i would play um play the role of a teacher. I love to okay. line up bears and kind of <laughs> teach them my curriculum or organize them, have class lists and take attendance. I really loved organizing things and teaching, sharing information. So that was definitely um, there are photos of me. And I, I remember really enjoying that as well as reading. I was an avid reader. So I and I kind of organized all my books and had this library collection and I okay. had library cards. And so I'd say um, I was always very fond of organizing things, putting things in order and, and helping others to remain in, you know, remain in, in line and, and show them new things and, and guide, guide individuals was always kind of my tendency, even at a young age when I obviously not sure what I was teaching them, but I had <laughs> things to say. So definitely a communicator, love to, love to teach and share, was always a talker, very auditory learner. Um, and it really enjoyed reading as well. So those are kind of some high level things. And I spent a lot of time um, at my grandparents. So let's say mm. as a child, they, they really influenced me. And I, I would go there every day before school and after school. And they, they had a huge piece and, and role in really shaping me to be the woman I am today. So fond memories of playing tennis against the wall there and <laughs> teaching and, um, all sorts of games outside in their backyard as a child too. That's awesome. And were the grandparents or family members teachers as well? Is that where you kind of picked that up or, or readers, librarians or anybody in that? Or were you kind of the, the odd uh, duck in, in the family where like everyone here is, is, is so quiet and whatever, and you're the one out talking and communicating or. Uh, yeah. I, uh, no teachers or librarians, but my mom certainly, um, in her house has a huge book collection. So she definitely, hey. you know, her personal library is extensive. And I think 
I took that bit from her. She's definitely a lifelong learner and yep. has really valued education. Um, doing her bachelor's while working full-time and then her master's degree while working full-time and then a PhD level Jungian analyst program. Wow. So she's, she's definitely been an example in my life of somebody that um, pursues higher education and values reading and learning for sure. So that was definitely close to me growing up. Um, but she's, she's more diplomatic and gentle than I am. So I would say the, the boisterous, <laughs> loud, outspoken part, that was a, uh, Maybe a bit more of my dad. <laughs> right. And as you were growing up, were you like a pretty studious person? Like do do well at school? Typically someone who reads books or generally does pretty well. Um, how, how was that process like kind of going into the, the school system and growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely kind of the goody two shoes. Wanted to, <laughs> you know, be the teacher's pet kind of thing. Like I definitely followed the rules uh, as a yeah. kid and, and wanted to do the right thing and get good grades. And I did. So definitely was kind of that straight A, do your homework kind of kind of kid for the most part. I think okay. going into high school, uh, that kind of, I, I went to an all girls high school in Toronto. Mm. And so definitely was still very much so striving to achieve and attain high marks and be involved in the community. Um, I think I say around grade 12. And then when I went into university was really where that shifted. And I sort of way more autonomy in my undergrad mm. to do what I wanted to do. And so uh, I started working and saw the fruits of my labor there, got paid. Um, and, and so I think school and being, you know, top of the class kind of took a secondary piece to my freedom, having a job, living on my own in the city and, and wanting to kind of explore things outside of the academic environment. So I'd say that's where okay. it kind of changed a little bit in terms of my priority. And I wasn't that straight-A student anymore. Sounds good. I'd love if you chatted a little bit about that uh, decision. So so you were in grade 11, grade 12, trying to figure out what you want to do with, with your life, <laughs> finding a purpose and meaning. What was uh, the decision process like for you, like being a straight-A student, um, having, having well, uh, pretty good grades, good two-shoes, as you call yourself? <laughs> what was the process to, to consider? Uh, obviously, you started in, in, in business. Uh, what, what was that process like? I really just applied for programs that I thought were practical. I probably, you know, if I did anything, I probably would have gone further into psychology. I really love okay. examining, you know, why people do what they do, how they think. And so I think I've, I've gotten there with the coaching bit, you know, but I yeah. think initially grade 12 of sort of like, okay, my, my math marks are good enough. I took economics in, in high school and okay, business makes sense. Um, I knew I wanted to work for myself because my father is an entrepreneur. And so okay. definitely was close to that growing up and seeing how he managed his businesses was inspiring to me. So I knew that even if I did a bit of corporate time, <laughs> spend some time in that world, I knew that I wanted yeah. to work for myself. So business, a business degree seemed like a practical option. And that's really what I was motivated by when I was, you know, 17 thinking, what am I supposed to do with myself now? Um, I really just leaned on the kind of practical right next step in the eyes of others. Right. And did you always have a sense in terms of the, the area you wanted to get into? So you said entrepreneurship was a path. Did you have a sense of what type of entrepreneur you mentioned uh, coaching and psychology? Was that kind of in the cards when you were picking your, your undergrad or is that uh, stuff that, that you figured out along the way? Yeah, I think, I definitely knew I wanted to work with people, you know, whether okay. it was like for, 
this teaching kind of maybe a bit people would have described me as maybe bossy, you know, like I kind of knew <laughs> I wanted to be a leader in the pack or kind of had this vision and wanted to chart the course for myself okay. and those around me. I, I've always been sort of strong willed in that way. And so I, I knew kind of, okay, um, I like being around people. I I'm definitely someone that people look to for answers, friends, or, you know, what would you do kind of consulting? So I kind of, I first veered toward consulting thinking, okay, I'll help hmm. people solve their problems and consulting made sense in an undergrad, you know, management style degree consulting sure. is the way to do that. So I, I kind of went toward consulting and then realized that a lot of times you can have great ideas, but if people don't implement them, then <laughs> it's not much yeah. help to anyone. So I, I really wanted to be a part of people changing their lives and changing the mm. way that they spend their time and using their time wisely. And so, um, yeah, I went down the kind of psychology road, similarly found that therapists and different angles of therapy weren't necessarily resonating. And then I landed upon coaching, really just a Google search kind of psychology, got into coaching and then realized, hey, this really empowers people to focus on what's in their control, take meaningful actions toward those goals with somebody on their side, you know, a thinking partner. And mm -hmm. that seemed like a really great mix for me. And so that's when after my undergrad, I, I took a coaching certification with a school out of Vancouver. Uh, and that started that kind of journey toward being directly one-on-one -on -one with people or in groups and really supporting them to move toward what they wanted out of life. That's awesome. I'm wondering if you can share a, a little bit about that um, kind of decision-making process. So consulting was one path, uh, well, didn't quite fit the bill as you had expected. Um, and, and was it literally just like Googling and saying, well, people plus helping plus whatever equals coaching, or were there like mentorship discussions that you had with other folks or different influences that might've kind of pointed you in the, in the right direction? You know, I didn't have many conversations because I, at the time it was really sort of at school, at least it was kind of finance, accounting, management. Those are sort of the streams. So from a school perspective, yeah. management did mean management consulting. So go work right. at Deloitte or Bain or, you know, one of those big Accenture, go yeah. work at a firm and consult for a few years. So that's kind of what I got gathered from that. It was sort of that conventional path. And like I said, that didn't fit. So it, it really just was searching around going, okay, do I want to go to school to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist? Is that really the move? And <laughs> seemed like a lot more school. Uh, and, and not necessarily, I didn't find a, a school of thought that I resonated with again around mm. empowering people to, to take what's in their control and run with that. And, and so I, they're, I'm sure, you know, CBT there, there are parts of therapy where you can absolutely empower clients, but sure. at, at the time, what I searched, I really was just, okay. I landed on, um, Milton Erickson's work, looking at, um, neuro-linguistic programming and the, the words that people choose to use and how that shows, you know, their thinking patterns. And thus, of course, what you think about becomes how you behave to some degree. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that really interested me to say, I can listen to someone's speech patterns and understand them really well and dive into those details that resonated with me. And so, yeah, I just, I found the training. I spoke with an enrollment advisor and that was, that was sort of it. Um, I had worked with a therapist, because my parents got divorced when I was young. And so I, okay. I worked with a therapist when I was younger and really didn't have great experiences with it. I worked mm. with a few different therapists as a child and just felt that I wasn't getting out of those therapy sessions what I wanted. I felt further entrenched in my problems and not much closer to solutions or different actions or, you know, help me 
to help me. I would feel that I'd leave the session saying, help me to, to change what's my perception of this or how this is going. And I didn't feel that I was getting that. So I think my own personal experiences with therapy also colored, colored my perceptions of how to approach that or right. if I wanted to go toward it. And I, I felt, again, very limited experiences of three or four different therapists, but just, again, kind of didn't resonate with what I wanted, which was to empower myself and others to really go after go after what they want unapologetically. And I, I saw a lot of people shrinking themselves to just fit those conventional pathways of accounting, finance, you know, people just really playing it safe. And that just, right. that has never been uh, what I want for myself. Uh, right. So, so yeah, I, I really wanted to be that encouragement, I think, for others mm. and myself to go and go after your biggest dreams because you don't yeah. get, you know, time goes, life goes by really quickly and you don't necessarily get another shot. So that, that's awesome. I'd love if you shared a little bit about uh, kind of that coaching learning experience. So obviously you're uh, uh, quite young, <laughs> right? And, mm -hmm. and folks, when they get into the, the coaching game, they're like, well, how can I coach someone how, like a uh, life coach, career coach, whatever? I haven't had a life. I haven't had a career <laughs> in order to coach or, or live something. What, what would you say to people who are kind of feeling those types of uh, feelings as they're going through kind of coaching, learning and, and uh, th that, that kind of process? Sure. Yeah. I, get, I mean, I get it all day long of people in all sorts of different fields, tech. Yeah. I mean, just you name it, marketing, finance, anywhere, CEO level, all the way to interns. I've spoken with people at all levels about their careers. And I hear that all the time. It's this yeah. kind of imposter syndrome. Like, who who am I? And yeah. I think with coaching in particular, you're not supposed to have the answers. You're supposed to have mm. the questions. So coaching is a very structured framework of questions that, of course, the mastery comes in being able to ask a powerful question to give people new insights. So right. the, the skill set is not actually, that's where consulting might be more, okay, here's my problem, offer me up the solution. In that setting, you might feel more pressured to, okay, I need to come up with a solution. But with coaching, your real work or the real skill set to develop is asking powerful questions that lead mm. your client toward new insights that give them new understanding and then new ways to approach whatever situation they're in. So for me, it was about figuring out how do I get better at asking these questions because you're not meant to guide. But even in other scenarios where people have questions about imposter syndrome or just feeling like, hey, I, I don't have experience to speak to, I think a willingness to prepare and then practice is really what's instrumental. If you're in your 20s, no one's expecting you to be in your 50s with 30 years of experience. That's just not you know, that's not the position or role that you're in at the moment. They're expecting yeah. you to be willing to prepare, willing to practice and get better, learn from your mistakes, surround yourself with competent parties that can support you and no one to ask for help. That's what that's what I think people are looking for is, is that work ethic to to research, prepare and then iterate um, as a young professional in whatever career area. And that's what I was willing to do. I was willing to mess it up, get better, study, research learn from people that are good at what they do um, and just devour information. And that's really what you need to be doing in your early career. So I think that's just a reorientation that needs to happen in perspective. Um, if you're beginning, you're not meant to be 50. Sure. You're, you're just starting out. So just start out and be willing to explore and, and be the best prepared, best researched person on your team. And, and that's, that'll be above and beyond what most people are, are putting up, bringing to the table. Right. I think it's folks teasing out the difference between something like a coach versus like a mentor, right? So a coach mm -hmm. is someone who, as you said, 
ask good questions and kind of test assumptions and make sure like, well, is that true? Like, is that really yeah. the case? Versus a mentor is like, well, yeah, I'm 50, 60, been there, done that. And, and sometimes age is not the relevant uh, aspect because there's a lot of young folks that have done so much more than some of the older folks out there as well. <laughs> so it's just a matter of having that lived experience. So teasing out the, the difference, I think, was would be helpful for folks as, as well. Uh, I'd love if you share a little bit about uh, kind of the journey to starting your 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 company, so or the different organizations you have. So you have also the podcast, you have the charitable clothing line, and ultimately your book. Um, so it, it seems like that you always had that entrepreneurial uh, like ilk <laughs> on you. So uh, w was it as kind of easy as you had, had hoped? Uh, what were some of the um, early days of of some of the the different aspects that uh, you you felt would be great learning for the young uh, kalinas out there <laughs> looking to to start their own thing yeah yeah was it as easy it, definitely not easy but i think it's such a cliche people say you know if something's worthwhile it'll take effort or or some some version of that i mean yeah I did have the advantage of growing up with my father being an entrepreneur. So I saw he right. worked very hard. He worked long hours, six days a week. It was relentless. Um, but the, the level of satisfaction that he had for caring while caring for his clients was something that I really wanted for myself is I wanted to see the transformation that I supported people with. Right. Um, and so that's where the coaching business was not easy, but driven by this need to, Hey, I want really want to help people and I want to see how I'm mm. helping them and be directly involved. So that's where that started. So that was, you know, people struggle with, okay, where do I get these clients? How do, how am I going to fill my calendar? Who Who is going to pay me? Will anyone pay me for this? Sure. Um, so those, those bits with every project at the beginning is I've learned, um, it's useful to have a bit of a strategy and a game plan. Sometimes I think as an, as a, dreamer or visionary or somebody that has these ideas and wants to bring them to life, it's easy to kind of imagine it in my mind and then say, okay, yeah, I'll write a book, which is exactly okay. what I did. I said, oh yeah, I should write a book. And then I committed to writing this book without all that, not too much forethought. Okay. <laughs> but what I would say is kind of one of the major learnings is, okay, you can have big ideas and that's great, but think, you know, two, three, four, five steps ahead and really okay. map it out before you say yes to something because same thing with the clothing line. I, you know, I, I was, um, it, my birthday was approaching and I thought, you know what? I really want to do something that gives back. I've had many birthdays where I receive presents and I just, I don't want that anymore. I'll design some things and put it up there and donate everything to charity. And that's how bleed apparel was born. It was just hmm. this, again, an idea. So I think somebody that has lots of ideas and feels like, okay, I have these hundred things I'd love to do, do love to do and bring to the world. Great. Have, have a game plan and then you can't do them all at once. So another thing right. was, you know, I had all these things in my mind, but you've got to remember, I've been doing this, you know, for a decade. So if I, if I bring one thing to life every year, give or take, right. that's already in my view, pretty aggressive, unless you have a big team. So you're going to need resources and you, and you can't do it all at once and certainly not alone. Yeah. So I think some of the advice is, okay, try to conceptualize the idea of beyond just, okay, here's, I want this clothing line and come right. forward with first five to 10 steps. What would the first year look like? And be ready to commit a year to really seeing a project through because when it gets hard in the first few months, which it will, you'll have setbacks and people won't buy it or whatever. You have to figure out marketing or suppliers or publishers, whatever. Yeah, You've got to have something 
kind of holding you to that commitment to see it through those hard moments. And that was something that initially I had to wrestle with of like, okay, this is really hard. I don't want to keep going. Maybe this is not okay. right for me. And that idea of it's not right for you. Well, it's a choice in my, in my experience as a choice. And so I had to really, mm. if I commit to a project now, I have to say, okay, am I willing to dedicate a year of my life to this? And if I am, then okay, I'll, I'll go for it. But um, historically, I didn't give it that level of forethought or understand the commitment of time that I was giving because in my 20s, it felt like, well, it, it just felt like I had infinite amounts of time. And <laughs> as the years go by, it, it, you realize, okay, it's not infinite and you better be strategic about how you spend your years. And your 20s are critical in setting you up for your 30s and 40s. So it's like Meg Jay's TED Talk, you know, it's not a throwaway decade. So be right. a bit strategic about what you're doing in those years and think about how each project sort of adds on or is cumulative to the other and brings you closer to mastery in the areas you want mastery in. So I, I know I've gone through a lot of different places, but hopefully <laughs> I touched upon a few a few insights from from my different ventures and being someone that likes to say yes to everything sure. and then figure it out after, which can be messy. And I'd love if we kind of d dive a little bit into to some of them. So you mentioned that the charitable clothing line was was almost well, it sounded a little bit kind of like a whim, <laughs> where birthday present and that was uh, uh, created. Was there more? You mentioned the the book where there's a little bit more thoughtfulness on that side. Was the podcast the same way in terms of starting it, or yeah, uh, how was it on that spectrum? <laughs> yeah, which so and this is where I get along well with people who who think about things for a long time, but then hesitate okay. because they haven't thought everything through. I'm kind of that okay. counterbalance to, to that. Someone that's very pensive or tries to think every detail. I'm right. kind of the exact opposite. I'm like, look, let's, let's dive. It's very entrepreneurial, right? Let's, let's build yeah. the car as we drive it. Let's just start. And then we'll figure this out as we roll. So yeah, the podcast was similar during COVID. I really felt that I'd lost my, my own voice and my own ability to, to, which is, my own perception, but I felt really limited in, in being able to speak my mind. And so that was really the impetus for that. Another birthday was rolling around and I was taking, <laughs> I was taking stock and I said, look, I, I, I really want to be able to share my thoughts and I need, I want a platform for this to share what's important right. to me. And I also get to chat with some of the most amazing human beings uh, beyond my wildest dreams because I have this platform now that I've built. Right. So, it, but yes, initially it was, it was on a whim. And, and so it's been a big lesson from my, my first business was sort of also the same way. Actually, it was a manager who gave me an opportunity to be a contractor. And she said, you have to start a business in order to be a contractor for us instead of an employee. And I said, okay. And I was 18 and I figured out how to incorporate and then had this business on my hands because I had a client who was willing to pay me as a contractor. So right. similarly, I kind of felt like I fell into that as well in a way and then capitalized on it so it's it's a tough line to, to because i've i've found that it works for me but again yeah. the the risk or the challenge there is okay but what are the next five ten steps what does the next year look like strategizing the long term getting the right support so even if i have an idea well to implement like with the book okay well yeah. i need an editor and a publisher and, and we need to market and organize a book tour and do podcast interviews and there are all these elements that when you just say, oh, hey, it'd be great to write a book, you've got to tease out the details. And the details yeah. is where I, I've had to learn, okay, <laughs> yes, I can say yes to these things on a, on a whim, but 
let me think about what that means for the next year and if I have capacity to take that on. And again, if I can't do it this year, doesn't mean I can't do it, but I have to strategically, yeah. okay, over the next, let's say I have 30 years left in my career or 50 or whatever, I don't know. Let's see, people are working longer <laughs> and, and later, but you know, okay, if each year was the most meaningful it could be, right? Or if each 10,000 hours were dedicated to really meaningful projects, does this does this fit the bill, this project or this endeavor? Does it make the cut? And right. if not, then, you know, but if I have to slate it for later, I can't. And so that, that kind of, the way I look at time has changed. And because of the way I look at time and that sense of urgency and importance, uh, it's reframed what I'm willing to commit to of all of those whims or dreams I have on my list. That's awesome. And did you have like a, a collection of these ideas or um, kind of legacy pieces that, that uh, are on a vision board or something uh, in, in a journal that, that are looking to be uh, done and just kind of slotted into the next few decades? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm so, it's not so rigid to say, okay, I know right. what I'm doing in 2032 on February yeah, 5th. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not that organized. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, and what I encourage people to do always is kind of, you know, have a list of 30 things or 50 things or, but I, I usually start with like 25, 30 things that you'd really sure. love to do in your life. And they can be personal experiences or professional things, but just kind of allow yourself to, to dream a bit about what those great things would be because yeah. the amount of clients I've worked with that are 40, 50, 60 and, and still have things on that list or regrets or whatever, and they've yeah. talked themselves out of it that's heartbreaking for me to, to witness. And so I really encourage any age because I think you can, there's no age where you have to be done. Right. Yeah. But uh, yes, I definitely have a list of things that I'd love to do, see accomplish in, in my life. And I'm steadily working toward those things. And of course I've had to release control and surrender to the fact that look, timelines change. My book took way longer than I thought. Sure. Every, everything takes way longer than I think it will <laughs> because I'm very optimistic about timelines. So I have to, you know, buffer that, factor that in. Um, but yes, to answer your question, yes, I absolutely have a list of things and it's not totally set on a time basis, but certainly yeah. a list that I'd like to. And those things change or shift in priority and that's okay. And I can, some stuff I thought was important and isn't to me anymore or whatever. I can shift stuff around. But But having that list for me is such a guiding north star toward the the mission that i think i'm i'm on to help people maximize their time their lives so For sure yes i've got a list <laughs> sounds good and maybe we'll uh if you're willing to share a couple of uh, items that are on that list um but what I want to ask, well, what I meant to mention is that it seems like uh, you have to say yes to something, right? So you have a plan. Uh, a lot of folks, as, as you mentioned, have, they need like the nth level of detail to do it. But at the end of the day, just start somewhere. Uh, it might take twice as long as you think, 10 times as long or exactly as long as you think, but at least say yes to, to, to get started. Um, and then you'll figure things out along the way. You don't have to be of the spectrum where it's, what what's the expression like, uh, jump off the cliff and build a plane <laughs> on the way down. You don't have to be fully entrepreneurial and do that. Um, you can be of the mindset, well, let, let's plan it out, but you don't have to have every single detail uh, mapped out in order for you to be successful. So I took a little bit about that. So be uh, entrepreneurial in some sense, but uh, not 
also balance your 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 risk tolerance or whatever to, to have the amount of comfort level that you uh, want as well. Um, yeah. And it sounds like, sorry, do you want to add something to that? I, I think that's exactly it. And to say um, what helps me balance is, is probably bringing other people into the fold. So, mm. you know, having people that, to your point earlier, if it can be a mentor that's already done something similar to what it is you're aiming at, that's really helpful to, to kind of help guide you or prevent some of those pitfalls. That's been incredibly useful rather than trying yep. to do things on my own. So that's definitely a must in my eyes um, is to bring in the right support, both on an accountability or advisor perspective, but also for the implementation. Again, I used to think I had to have to do it all myself and that's just, right. uh, you know, a losing game. So bringing in the right experts as well to, to be the editor of your book or produce your podcast or whatever, um, right. is also a huge help when you're not an expert in something and you can't be an expert in everything. So know, know your area of expertise and then be willing to engage with people that can help you get to the next level, both from a mentorship and then also from an implementation standpoint. That's amazing. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of things in your story where we could probably do a whole deep dive episode <laughs> into each one of those. But I'd love if you uh, kind, of, kind of go back and share some of that uh, swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. So if there's any points in, uh, I guess, young Kalina's life where she was uh, kind of trying to figure things out, what advice would you have to your younger self out there? I know you already mentioned a few, but if there's any that you want to emphasize or elaborate on, what is some swipe that you'd have for uh, your younger self? Yeah, yeah, I've got I, still learning, still figuring, <laughs> still figuring that out. I think, yeah, a big, a big one is that kind of idea of, okay, think it a couple steps, think a couple steps down the line, you know, right. I really would dive into things and not necessarily consider all the implications. And, and so if you're, if you have that tendency, if you're like me and love to just say yes to stuff and dive in, I really would emphasize that's great. It's a, it's such a great entrepreneurial trait to go and be willing to have new adventures. Um, but taking a bit of pause to just consider, okay, how does this impact everything else in my life? What, how big of a commitment is this? How long is it going to right. take? Do I have the resources? What resources do I need? Few questions before diving headfirst. Uh, I would emphasize to my younger self who was just all in on lots of things and then you know, had to deliver, but it, these are big projects, writing a book and bringing it to mm -hmm. life and then a book tour and all of that and having it in major retailers. It's, it's a big project. It's not nothing. And so I think sometimes I would minimize what I was doing. And similarly, I think enjoying your achievements in that same mm -hmm. vein, I, I minimize the things that I've already done because I'm looking to the next thing, but there will always be a next thing, you know, and yeah. I, and every single project that I've done has felt so huge and important in the moment and they all are and i'm so grateful for all the things i've done in the past decade or more of my professional life you know from starting this business at 18 to, to being here I'm, but i don't think about those things often i'm always looking to okay here's the next level here's what i need to be doing this is i need to do more and so i think part of it is also and i know it's so cheesy of like you know celebrate yourself okay sure no it's not necessarily celebrate yourself but do give yourself some credit and look at where things have gone right and why they went right or well and so that you can replicate that based off of what you've already achieved i think you know we need to give ourselves due credit for for what we've done um in order to continue to to excel so i, I think taking stock is probably another 
piece of advice that I wish I kind of did more often and I'm trying to do now because it's so easy mm. to have our eyes on the future or the present problem. Uh, but I think in the present moment's good. It's good to be oriented in the present, <laughs> but, but I think there's something to taking a bit of stock and looking at, okay, what has gone well in this project that I just finished? What went well with the book launch? What could have gone better? What's going well with the podcast? Where can I improve? Taking feedback from that. I think oftentimes, at least for me, I'm onto the next thing so quickly that I don't just see what I've, I've done and then right. improve using that, that data. So that's another big thing I wish I knew sooner is to not only give myself credit where credit's due, but then really actively learn from all these things that I implement rather than racing off to the next thing. That's amazing. And what I took from that is uh, having a little bit of gratitude for yourself and, and your achievement, all the things that you've been able to do and accomplish and, and well, take a bit of time to pat yourself on the back and all that sort of stuff. Because that can be quite helpful, uh, especially for someone who uh, achieves so much. Um, sometimes, as you said, you focus too much on what's next versus uh, appreciating and being grateful for all, everything that you have been able to achieve because it may not come so easily <laughs> the next time around or what have you, right? Uh, and I love how you talked uh, uh, and mentioned before about taking a little bit of time to plan. So there are some folks out there that just dive in head first, right? But sometimes there's whatever rocks in the water or some obstacles <laughs> that you might want to avoid. So just a few brief questions to ask yourself. It doesn't have to be like uh, pause it for a year. It could be just uh, a, a, an hour, five minute uh, uh, brainstorming session. Uh, but taking a, a little bit of stock, I guess, in that sense as well, before you get started can be helpful. So I think that's some great and helpful advice. Um, and I love it as we kind of end the podcast, if you share a little bit of some of the future aspirations, you mentioned a couple of things uh, on the list. Obviously, you have the book that's out, you have the podcast, clothing line, a whole bunch of other things. What are some things that uh, we can look forward to hearing about you in the future? And where can folks reach out and uh, connect to learn more? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm really loving the podcast format. I'm definitely a talker. So <laughs> um, I really am, am hoping to do more interviews with, with people that I think are interesting and, and share more in, in that way. So I think that can look forward to more episodes on the podcast for sure in the coming mm -hmm. months. And then um, I've got a bit of an idea of my next, my next book, which <laughs> I say that hesitantly because it is a huge <laughs> endeavor, but um, yes, I do have some ideas about, about my next, my next book and, and really targeting women and the, and the challenges that women face within the career landscape as while simultaneously having to think about building families. And so that's mm. definitely, I'd say the next decade for me is very focused on my own aspirations on the family front to grow my family mm. and, and build that. So that's can't be ignored. Uh, it's, it's going to be a huge part, um, God willing, a huge part of my life over the next decade is, is my aim. And so, you know, I, I'd like to write a book speaking to that because I think there's a unique piece that women women navigate that's just different from men, not better yep. or worse, just different. And so um, I find that my whole career actually has been this kind of me supporting people, you know, me having my own hero's journey, if you will, and then supporting people that are maybe you know, coming, following in my footsteps or, right. or on similar trajectories. And so I think this just lends itself to a continuation of that, where um, I think my future aspirations are, are family and then to support women that are building their own. And I've got a course already that I've 
just launched. That's kind of my big thing for this year, which is called predictable profit. So helping women build mm -hmm. businesses that generate consistent income so that they can balance that family business or money piece of their lives. So that's kind of my big project this year is predictable profit and helping women to start building businesses for themselves. So that's kind of what's current is that. And then future is, is my next book speaking directly to women on, on that challenge and um, continuing on with the podcast and having really insightful conversations like this one. So that's, that's a bit. And if people want to find me, I'm on Instagram. It's just my name, Kalina Maletic. My podcast is the lead today show. Um, and if you go, I'm a Google search away and you can, <laughs> you can find all, all the links about the book memorable. Um, just my name is the key to everything. Sounds good. And we'll make sure to include all that information in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Kalina, for sharing your, your story. And uh, again, a lot of great swike and, and nuggets of wisdom in there. And uh, hopefully we can have you back for a future episode. Yeah, I would, I would love that. I almost think I need to learn. <laughs> we need to switch roles. I told you earlier, I, was, I, I love, <laughs> I'm so used to asking the questions that I, uh, I'd love to learn more about you and what brought you to this point as well. So I would, I would love that. Sounds good. We can put that in the calendars for future. So thanks so much, Kalina, and uh, take care. And again, hopefully we'll have you back. Yes, yeah, see you again soon. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.